You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Money Pit is presented by Dap Spray Texture and Dice Coatings. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you take on your ho-ho home improvement projects this special time of year. So if you're trying to get a few last-minute things done around your house and you need some help, reach out to us with your questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Or you can post your questions to moneypit.com slash ask. Maybe you're thinking about projects you want to tackle in the year ahead. Maybe it's tied to a New Year's resolution you want to make. Whatever's on your to-do list, please slide it over to ours by reaching out with those questions. Coming up on today's show, I have a question. Leslie, I know what your answer would be to this. It's this. Are you a paint collector? Yes. <laughs> you save partially used cans of paint for that just-in-case moment when you're going to need it for touch-ups or a new project. Well, if that's you, we all share with that habit. But we're going to teach you how to prevent that paint from actually going bad so it truly is ready when you need it, if you ever need it. <laughs> you're going to need it. You should hold on to it. <laughs> also ahead, especially here, we're talking about hanging pictures. It can be daunting. You can mess up the wall, and then you have to cover it up, not with just the painting, maybe some paint. So here, you see it all ties together. But definitely when it comes to hanging pictures, sometimes they're pretty heavy. And no matter what wall surface you've got that you're drilling into, there is a tried and true way to secure all of those things that you hang on the wall safely. So we're going to explain that. And if you're jumping into holiday decor, we've got some tips on how to make the best first impression by decorating the first thing your guests see, your front door. So whether it's classic or contemporary, we're going to help make sure yours can stand out. But first, we want to help you create your best holiday home ever. What are you working on this very busy season? Are you kind of just taking it easy and focusing on the holiday? Probably not. You're probably getting your house in tip-top shape so you can make it all sparkle and make it the most memorable holiday. But whatever it is, we can totally lend a hand. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Hey, John, in New York, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Last week, I heard something about a guy talking about drainage issues in the basement, and you start talking about certain things to make sure with the gutters and... uh the footer drains and making sure the soil slopes away from your house. Yep. My situation's a little weird. I have a salt box style house, 1750 square feet. The very steep hill my house is built into. So basically three sides of the base, two sides of the basement are partially in the soil. One side okay. butts up to the garage at the ground level on one side of the house. And one wall of the basement's below the ground completely. Mm-hmm. I have very good drainage. I want a hill, like I said, however, when it rains heavily, um, I do get that seep around the foundation, and my thought was, how do you slope soil away in a situation where there's an overwhelming grade from the property coming right up against the house? 
Yeah, that's a good point. So in your situation, the grade is is not as important um, as what you can do to intercept that runoff through your property. So two things. First of all, the, the advice that we gave you about gutters, that's really critical even in your situation. The gutters have got to be clean, free-flowing, and those downspouts have got to be discharging away from the house. In your case, you're going to probably want to go from the uphill side to the downhill side. You might want to run them underground through solid PVC pipe and have them break out the daylight somewhere on the downhill side. So you're really managing that roof water. In terms of the runoff, the way you handle that was with something called a curtain drain. Basically, it's a trough drain, and it gets laid into the soil, and as the water runs down the hill, it falls into this drain, uh, and then it gets intercepted and sort of run around the house. Now, instead of going through all the work to construct a French drain where you have to dig trenches and use perforated pipe and stone and filter cloth. There's another type of a prefabricated French drain pipe that you can pick up at Home Depot, and it's made by NDS. It's an easy drain pipe, and you'll recognize it when you see it because it's a plastic drainage pipe that's surrounded with, it looks kind of like a packing peanut, and then there's a filter cloth around that. So they're one piece, they're modular, and you basically stack these up side by side and then put the soil back on top of them. It's a very fast, easy way to put that French drain in without going through all of the work that you would have to if you were building it kind of from scratch. So in your case, you have to put this drain in to intercept the runoff of the water, run it around the house, again, out to daylight, and then I think that your water problems will go away. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jennifer in Missouri, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I have a rental house that is a basement home, and it has a concrete patio that is rather large, probably around 12 feet long by 8 foot wide. The house has been built several years ago, and over the course of time, um, the concrete patio has gotten pitted. Um, It looks like from the use of rock salt to melt the ice and snow off of it. And I didn't know just because of the size of the patio, um, I'm guessing it's going to be pretty costly to replace it. I didn't know if I had any other options. Yeah, you do. And this is a perfect scenario for this. Quickcrete makes a product called Concrete Resurfacer. And it's specifically designed for scenarios like this. You can apply this resurfacer to the entire slab, and it's designed to stick to it and fill in those pockmarks and those little gaps, and it will give it a whole new look. It'll look like a brand new slab, but it will resurface it completely. Wow, that's great. What is it called? It's made by Quickcrete, and it's called a concrete resurfacer. It's basically a blend of Portland cement and sand and polymers. And the polymers and the other additives basically set it up so it can stick to the original concrete. There is a preparation. You have to pressure wash it first to get it nice and clean. But once you apply this, you can basically squeegee it or trowel it on, and you can use a brush finish so it gets that nice sort of slip-resistant finish when you're all done. That's great news. I didn't realize there was anything like that. So thank you. Specifically designed for this project. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get socked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Bill, you've got the money pit. How can we help you with your flooring project? I bought a house like uh, three uh, years ago, and I, I hired these people to come and, you know, strip my uh, the hardwood floors in my uh, living room, and they never did a, did a good job, and I can I, I could never get a hold of them. And uh, the hardwood, uh, the hardwood uh, squeaks. I want to redo it. What is the best... Uh, uh, the best way to, you know, uh, refinish it. Okay, so the issue is that you want them to be, to stop squeaking, or you want to refinish it, or kind of both? Stop uh, squeaking, and also I want to uh, refinish them. Okay, so there's a couple of things that you can do. First of all, because uh, you're doing the refinishing and the repair at the same time, um, that actually makes it a little bit easier. But what you're going to want to do is deal with the squeaking issue first. And the reason that that happens is usually because of movement. If you can identify those sections of the floor that are the loudest, they're probably going to have the most movement. Then simply what you want to do is re-secure those floorboards to the floor. So you can do that with nails. If you nail through the hardwood board into the floor joist below at a slight angle with a nail that's kind of rough, like a galvanized nail, you're going to have to pilot that hole first, put a small drill hole in first, and then drill nail right through the hole because you can't nail hardwood directly. The nail will bend, the board will split. In ones that are really leak, you can actually use a trim screw, which is a long, thin screw with a tiny head, and it's a little bit bigger than a nail. That's even a better way to do it because it, it, the screws are really solid and they won't pull back out again. So I would just tighten up the boards as best you can in the loudest areas. You're never going to get them, get them all, so don't try. And then you can have uh, your floor refinishers sand it and refinish it. And I would definitely have the sanding done professionally. I would not do this myself because the tools are very rugged. And if you don't use them every day, you're going to damage your floor. So I would have it completely sanded and then refinished. Does that make sense? Thank you. I appreciate it very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Do you love learning about home improvement on our podcast? Well, we love bringing you all the latest tips and tricks. And if you want to make us smile, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Laura in Connecticut's on the line with an insulation question. How can we help you today? I'm calling for my son. He purchased a home. Okay, he has two kitchens. Okay, uh, that he wants to insulate. They're outside, you know, outside wall kitchens. The house is over 100 years old. It's perched high. It's a coastal home. Right, the washer and dryer on the first floor, and the shimmies a little bit. The walls, we took down a couple of the walls. We noticed they're similar to cabin walls. They are horizontal planks. They're spaced, okay, and they do have a couple of nail holes due to poor insulation. No, I'm sorry, poor vinyl siding. Okay, during the winter, we also noticed that the heat is very challenged. You can actually see your breath. 
How do we insulate these walls? So you have a really cold house, 100 years plus, and you've got some very cold walls that are cold rooms that are so cold you can see your breath. So there's a couple of things. We have to start at the beginning with this. Is this a one-story house or a two? It's a two-story house. In fact, both kitchens are on the same side of the house, and one above the other. And the kitchen on the first floor not only does it have the washing and drying and shimmies the floor somewhat, but it has a dirt basement. So the the kitchens are on top, stacked on top of each other. First of all, we need to when you're trying to evaluate how much insulation the house has and trying to make it as warm as possible, the easiest and the most important place to start is the attic. Uh, and you're in you're in Connecticut, so you need 15 to 20 inches of fiberglass insulation across the floor of that attic. And if you don't have that much, then you're wasting a lot of heat. So you've got to really insulate the attic. Now, if you've got some insulation, that's great. You could add more to that on top of it. You want to use unfaced fiberglass bats and then stack, stack them uh, side by side. Okay. Now, the other thing to look at is the type of heating system you have in this house. Is it forced air or is it hot water? Oh, it's electric. Oh, it's electric. Yeah, no, even even more reason to make sure that place is well insulated. Did he get a home inspection done when he bought the house? He said he did. I wasn't here. I'm here now. I'm freezing. <laughs> That's why I called. You know, I wasn't in. I wasn't in the state. I happened to come in to uh, help him out with whatever, and uh, to find out it's really poorly insulated. All right, look. You had a lot going on with this house. I can only sort of poke around on this from you know from a distance, but I would say that if you don't have if you have a cold and uncomfortable house, you have insufficient insulation and probably insufficient heat. Now the insulation is the easiest, quickest, fastest thing you can fix, and you can start in the attic. You know, insulating exterior walls is rather difficult because they're already built. Although there are ways to do that. But since this is a new house for you guys, and since you say your son had a home inspection, the next call I would make would be to my home inspector. And I would ask him to revisit the house with you guys together because you're having some pretty serious problems with it. And you're hoping that maybe he can give you some advice. And, you know, in a nice sort of way, why didn't this come up on the inspection as well? So I would do those two things because you need more information to determine what's going on with this. But I can tell you for certain you don't have enough insulation. Well, if you're like us, you probably have accumulated lots and lots of partially filled cans of paint, you know, saving those up from past projects, because after all, why throw out perfectly good paint that you might need for touch-ups of the project you just finished, right? Makes sense. It's the whole you never know. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it really is. But you know what, guys? As time does go on, those paint cans definitely pile up, and then it leaves you wondering if that paint really is even any good anymore. Well, it doesn't last forever. It doesn't give you an exact expiration date like you would see on your groceries. But what you're going to find is that the quality of the paint will definitely degrade over time. How long it's actually going to last? Well, that really depends on what kind of paint it is. Is it oil? Is it water-based? What kind of container do you have it in? Are you storing it properly like a cool, dry place? Or is it exposed to high temps, cold temps? You know, you got to look at all the factors. Yeah. So what is the life expectancy for different paints? Well, for latex, you know, water-based paints and acrylic paint, that can actually last up to 10 years if it's not opened. And once you open it, though, it drops to as little as two years. Now, for oil-based paint, on the other hand, that potentially can last up to 15 years unopened and five years after you open it. All right. So now you've got the paint, you've opened it up, you've been storing it. How do you know if that paint has gone bad? 
Well, signs that your paint isn't great anymore definitely would be drying out. If it smells yucky, if there's clumps, if you're noticing a separation of liquids and solids, if you see mold or mildew growth, if the color looks different, and issues with the container, like if you see rust or perhaps a malfunctioning spray can, those are all big clues that it's not good. Now, speaking of spray cans, spray paint technically can also last several years like other oil paints. But with spray paints, the death blow is usually when that spray tip clogs and fails. How many times have you picked up a half-used can of spray paint, Leslie, shook it up, and then went to spray, and nothing came out? Now, to keep that from happening, here's a little trick of the trade. When you're done spraying, turn the can upside down and depress the spray nozzle for a couple of seconds. What that does is forces the leftover paint that's in the nozzle out, clears it out with the air that's behind it, and it's good to go for the next project. Now, for a can of paint, proper storage is key. You want to make sure you're sealing those cans tightly. You want to keep them in a cool, dry place away from extreme temperatures and sunlight. And you want to make sure that that rim stays clean for proper resealing. And one trick for that is to use a straight screwdriver and a hammer to punch holes in the bottom of the rim so that the paint drips back into the can instead of pooling in that little well right there. Now, one final tip, and this is really a tip that you're not going to find too many other places, but I've been doing it for years and it works great. Store the can upside down. Now, why would you do that? Because think about it. No matter how clean you make that rim and how well you bang down that lid, air gets in there. But if you store the can upside down, then no more air can get in. It's completely sealed by the leftover paint that's also resting on top of that rim. So store it upside down. You might have to twist your head to read what color you got, but it definitely makes the paint last as long as it possibly can. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now we're heading to Tennessee where Bruce is on the line with a question about a driveway. What's going on at your money pit? Hey, guys, I've got a driveway that's kind of, it's not cracking, but it's kind of crumbling into like small pebbles and pieces. I have heard from a buddy of mine that used to do some summer work that you can take that blacktop and put a little bit of, uh, I guess, sand in it and mix it up into a putty and maybe save it for a couple of years. What have you guys heard? So I think that that would work as kind of a temporary patch, but I wouldn't expect And certainly not for the whole surface, like to just... Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing where, like, if you're resurfacing the driveway and you, and you all of a sudden find that maybe there's a little hole that you mixed that you missed, you could take some of that sealant, mix it with some sand, stick it into that hole and kind of call it a day. But if you want to have, if you want to do this the entire surface, you need to use the products that are designed for that because they're designed to adhere properly to the surfaces that are below. And I think just trying to sort of uh, make this from scratch doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, what would you suggest? So there's a lot of good quality latex products that are out today. And what you want to do is start with the patching compounds, clean the driveway really well, use the patching compounds next, fill in those cracks, fill in those holes. If you have a really deep one, then there's essentially like an aggregate that you pack in first, then you seal the surface. And then once those dry, then you go ahead and put your top coat on and kind of broom your way out. You want to buy one of those driveway squeegees, which is kind of like the size of a push broom, but it has a squeegee on it. And just very carefully start as close to the house as possible and then bring yourself out to the street. And do it at a time where the weather's decent and when you can try to keep cars off it for two or three days at least. Because the longer you let it sit, the better it is. You suggest a certain temperature? Well, the temperature range is going to be dictated by the manufacturer. But as long as it's not freezing and as long as it's not, you know, 100 degrees out, you're probably okay. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Hey, Leslie, we got another review that came in this week. Okay. From the author was Tor WDW. We want to say thank you, Mr. Tor WDW. He wrote, wrote a very nice review. Says, I got into the home improvement kick during the pandemic and then sold my house. I completely renovated for a smaller one to renovate as well, but increased my commute. I discovered Tom and Leslie after my wife suggested I find some podcasts to listen to on my drive uh, to and from work. What can I say? Tom and Leslie are practical, informative, and know their stuff. It's been about two months since I discovered them, and they have both confirmed things I already knew and taught me some new things. I listen to the show weekly and appreciate both their planned tips and the questions they answer. Very nice. Thank you so much, Tor. We appreciate it. All right. We don't know how to write back because you can't do that here. So we figured we'd just mention you on the show. Hopefully you'll hear this and we appreciate it very, very much. All those reviews that are coming in are, are really what keeps us going, guys. So if you like what you heard, please drop us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Nancy from Illinois is on the line with a question about a soffit. How can we help you today? Actually, I inherited a house that from a, a relative that was built in 1960, so it has soffits above the cabinets. I still have the original kitchen. I mean, everything, the floor, the counters, the appliances. You know, I know that in all the newer construction, they're using uh, either cabinets that go from all the way to the ceiling or they have a, a, a an empty space up there where people can display things. I have a lot of dust allergies, and I'm also a senior citizen, 
And so I don't think I want that empty space up there that's going to collect dust. I don't want to have to be dealing with dusting that all the time and climbing up on a ladder. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out, yeah, do you think soffits will ever come back? Or is the answer <laughs> just you have cabinets that go all the way to the ceiling knowing that um, I'm probably never going to use those top shelves? Well, actually, there is a way for you to use those top shelves because um, there are ways that you can bring those shelves down to stack things on them and put them back up. There's cabinet designs where the entire shelf contents pulls out and drops down. It sort of hinges down, and then it goes back up. Uh, there are accessible design options that are made by a bunch of different manufacturers, so it is possible to even have high cabinets and be able to use that that space if that's uh, a need for you. I've got two torn rotor cuffs in both shoulders, so I'm not even supposed to be reaching up high. So I don't know how difficult it is to get those shelves, you know, to drop down. Usually there's a, a handle that's sort of like shoulder height where you reach out right in front of you and pull it towards you, and then that whole thing drops down from there. Oh. It's all on springs, so oh. it supports itself. Called Reva Shelf, R-E-V-A Shelf, and their system is simply called a cabinet pull-down shelving system. So, so that type of system is available. The cabinet is basically completely empty, and then the shelving system is put in. And then again, you reach out, you pull it towards you, and it drops down. And these things are strong enough where you could have like canned goods on every single shelf, and it's still going to hold it. So that's an option for you. The other thing is, I, I think the dated part of the soffits, Leslie, and you correct me because you're the decorator here, okay. is where the soffit extends past the kitchen cabinet, but you could sort of have a flush soffit that sort of is flush with the with the front of the kitchen cabinet that wouldn't give you that sort of ugly overhang, right? Mine is, is flush. Okay, well the then maybe cabinet. you ought to think about just keeping it the way it is and painting it um, to sort of blend. I mean, I like having the soffit because then it just fills that space. So then you're not thinking about putting stuff up there, <laughs> it's like, which then be, mm-hmm. you know, then it's just a dust collector. So if you're right. going to get rid of the soffit, you really need to think about like, what is the purpose of that space above it? Am I just extending the cabinet higher? Am I, you know, putting in some glass, something that makes it purposeful? But I'm telling you with these cabinet pull downs that Tom has mentioned, they operate smoothly. They really are helpful. I mean, any person can have one regardless of abilities so it really will make your life so much easier and is it spelled r-e-v as in victor or r-e-v as in boy r-e-v as in victor rev a shelf like rev your engine like revolving shelf like that kind of thing okay well that's that's going to be exciting for me to check out um my other um question that i was going to be asking was you know as a an aging senior that has some macular degeneration that um, it's the slow-developing kind, but still I know what's coming because relatives have had this and lost vision. Would you recommend um, contacting an architect, or uh, is there a certain type of contractor that would be good to help me design um, this new kitchen? So to design your kitchen, you might want to use the services of a certified kitchen and bath designer. That's a designation that is sought through the National Kitchen and Bath Association. Guys that have the certified kitchen and bath design designation are very, very uh, competent at designing kitchens and bathrooms that meet those uh, specific needs that you mentioned. Well, I appreciate all this good advice. Thank you so all right. much. Good luck with your project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey guys, if you've ever wanted to hang a heavy picture or a piece of artwork, your first concern is usually this, gravity, right? You want to make sure what goes up does not come crashing down. 
That is true. And you know what? There are many types of walls out there, from exposed brick to drywall to surfaces that are covered in tile, and each material is going to have a fastener that it's best suited for. Now, each type of anchor has strengths and weaknesses, but they really boil down to two types, an expansion anchor or a hollow wall anchor. Now, an expansion anchor is going to expand when a screw or bolt is threaded into them, and they work best in thick, solid materials. Hollow wall anchors are best used in thin materials or even a hollow wall because they spread in a variety of ways once they're inserted into the wall, and then you cannot pull them back through. Now, here's how to combine the fastener with the wall material. Now, for drywall, nails are okay, but they need to go in at a 45-degree angle. Screws are much better, and they should be used with a plastic anchor. Now, if you have anything that's heavier than 20 pounds, the fastener has got to go in to a stud. For plaster, you need to be super careful because plaster walls can crack easily when they're separated from the lath. So keeping vibration to a minimum is really key. Metal toggle bolts are the wall anchors of choice for plaster because once they're pushed through the plaster, they add support from behind. And just like drywall, for heavier items, you need to drill into the stud. Now, if you're attaching to brick or to mortar walls, you want to be sure to choose a spot in a mortar joint, the space between the brick or the stone. You'll need to use a drill with a masonry bit and then drive a wall anchor into that hole, and that's going to be what holds the actual screw. Now, the best thing for heavy objects are definitely molly bolts because these combine the ease of installation of a plastic expansion anchor with much greater strength. And the largest mollies can hold about 50 pounds. And then, of course, there's a fastener that we love called a monkey hook. I just think the name is amazing. It's so cool. It's like a, it's, how do you describe it? It's a bent piece of wire that's very thin and very sharp on one end. And you, you stick it into the drywall, wiggle it back and forth. It pierces the drywall and then sort of goes up behind it and sort of locks in place. And when it's inserted, it can actually hold 50 pounds, which is amazing. So if you see those in a hardware store, pick up a pack because, believe me, you always find a reason to use them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Virgil in South Dakota, what can we do for you today? Hi, I've got a uh, an old home that I am restoring and renovating and remodeling. It's over a century old, and uh, part of the process has been installation of a relatively high energy efficient furnace. Okay, and uh, I just got it started, and uh, was was away from the home for a while. Came back, and uh, everything was froze solid. The exhaust had uh, developed a plug of ice, and the furnace would not run. Oh, that's not good. The, oh, that's for sure. Anyway, the uh, contractor that installed it rerouted the pipe so it would go through a heated room instead of up in the attic. Right. And so I, I have it going above the lay-in ceiling over, over my bathroom. So I've got probably a foot to a foot and a half, an inch and a half exhaust pipe sticking out of the, uh, the side of the house. And I'm wondering, am I going to have a problem with that? And if, if so, how can I prevent it from happening again? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, in this situation, I would turn to the manufacturers, making sure that they're that you follow the recommending installation instructions 
for this type of a system. With a, with a high efficiency furnace, what happens is you take so much heat out of that exhaust gas that what's left is mostly water vapor, like 80% of it or more is water vapor. And so that's why you have to be able to have a way to deal with that. Now, if that pipe is in, uh, in, in a heated area, if it's insulated, that's going to stop the ice from forming. But of course, it's dangerous if it does form because if you can't exhaust the gas, then that's going to shut down the furnace, which is a safety switch, basically. So right. uh, I, to me, I would make sure first that I've, that the contractor has installed that venting consistent with the manufacturer's recommendations, which I'm sure you can find on their website. There are very detailed instructions on that sort of thing. And secondly, I would just watch it now and see what happens. Time is going to tell. Kind of a vacation home, and I'm not there for a good part of the time, so I can't be out checking. Right, yeah. Uh, do you have a smart thermostat for that house? No, there's no internet there. Oh, that's too bad. I was going to suggest that this would be a great application for a smart thermostat that can monitor the temperature in the house this way you'll know if it's working or not. My uh, other choice might be if I put in one of those smart outlets that uh, turns on at 35 and off at 45, and if it turns on at 35, maybe one of the neighbors would see a flashing red light or something. <laughs> see a light, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Listen, I, I think that uh, you, you need to work with the contractor and the manufacturer to figure out why this was why this is happening, but I do suspect that that venting has to run, be run through a heated area, and it's got to be better insulated, okay? Well, he did have it insulated, and it was in the attic, which is totally unheated. So he did move it down to a heated area, and I can even te- move the temperature up a little bit by lifting one of the tiles and only in the ceiling in the winter. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, are you guys short on time with all the busyness of this time of year, and you're wondering what to decorate? Well, go with the thing that guests see first, your front door. Yeah, and you know what? It's the first thing that guests see. So your door and pretty much the whole entryway leaves a very big impression. You can easily dress that door up for the season with a classic Christmas wreath, silver bells, glass ornaments, garland, whatever. Dress it up. Or you can hang a set of sleigh bells on the doorknob or the knocker, and they'll give a festive jingle every time a guest passes through. And anything that can really be hung over that knob, even over the top of the door that doesn't impact the operation, will work. I remember last season someone gave us to use some beautiful evergreen wreaths. So I took some coat hanger wire and with a pair of pliers carefully made my own bracket that would slide over top the door and allowed us to hang the wreath without damaging the door. That's super smart. Now, another easy holiday update is to actually wrap your door in decorative paper. And this is really popular if your house has got some small kids. You just crisscross that wrapped door with some wide ribbon and then it makes that door resemble like a huge gift wrapped package, which is super fun. Yep, and once that door is set, you can extend those holiday touches to your entranceway, too. Maybe set out some pots planted with seasonal greens, add some holiday welcome mats, maybe consider some vases and dishes full of pine cones or greens. Everything contributes to put you and your guests in the holiday spirit. All right, Renee wrote into Team Money Pit saying, I recently installed a new fiberglass entry door that looks great. I've considered installing a storm door outside for added protection so we can have a full glass view door during the warm months. I've heard, though, that I need to vent the door so it doesn't warp or ruin the entry door. If so, how do I do this, or should I just skip a storm door? So preferences aside, you do not need to install a storm door for, as you say, added protection when you have a fiberglass entry door, because fiberglass entry doors are phenomenally energy efficient. They seal really well. They insulate really well. Storm doors were a lot more necessary with wooden doors that were naturally drafty and and metal doors, and those Metal doors also need to be shielded from the cold, but the fiberglass doors totally solve those problems. Now, that said, 
It does make sense if you want to install a storm door to take advantage of the outdoor views when the temperatures allow for it. Again, venting is not necessary with fiberglass, but to keep the air flowing, just swap out your storm door's glass for a screen door when the seasons change. As long as you don't have that storm door up in the summertime, which is completely unnecessary, although I doubt it would harm the door, what I would say is just do it for the winter, even though you don't really need the protection. But this way in the summer and in the spring, you can get that full screen door effect and have lots of nice fresh air coming in and out. All right, Renee, good luck with that project. And I'm so glad you're enjoying your new door. Well, the holidays are approaching and that means house guests are not far behind. Leslie's got some tips on ways to enhance your guest rooms for a memorable stay in today's edition of Leslie's Last Words. So Leslie, you want to make it nice, but not too nice, right? Otherwise they won't leave. yeah but you also want to make them feel like comfortable and make them so they're not looking for things or asking you for stuff so that they're really doing their own thing in your home which is truly the mark of a great stay is when somebody feels very comfortable so good ways to do that are kind of make your room more like hotel like so think about towels don't give them random mismatched towels like oh here's our weird minions pool towel (laughs) go ahead and give them like nice matching white towels and those can always be what you use for your guests and you can kind of roll them up nice in a basket or if there's a chair in the room or a counter or a shelf and you can create sort of this bathroom spot with all these beautiful towels and maybe a couple of toiletries so that they have access to that right there. If you have time and you're kind of running out of time right now, but if you can, a fresh coat of paint really does wonders to the space. If not, a magic eraser can surely do the trick in a pinch. Now, other things, you know, bedside tables, people use them for all the travel things, their keys, their tickets, their phones, their chargers. If you don't have a bedside table, get one, and then consider adding something there like a really awesome phone charger or multiple USB ports that they're able to charge all of their devices because that makes it super easy and then they're not looking for all the plugs and things and where to put stuff in. I also love to very largely and right in a spot where they're not going to miss it, put the Wi-Fi password. This way they know exactly what it is. Actually, a friend of mine 3D printed for us at the uh, ski house, a really cool QR code that when you scan that links you right to our Wi-Fi login. So it's perfect. So there's, you don't have to be so fancy, but you can make a little sign and do that too. Um, bedding, keep it cozy, keep it fresh. You want to make sure you leave extra pillow, extra blanket. If you've got the space for it, you really want people to feel comfortable and you don't want them bothering you too much. They're going to feel bad about doing so, but it's so nice having the guests. So make them feel welcome and you'll be so happy to have them. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up next time on the program. If you guys enjoy having a beautiful live Christmas tree this season, you might be surprised to learn there's a really good chance your first horde of holiday guests could be the Christmas tree bugs that came with it. We're going to tell you how to spot and evict those holiday hitchhikers on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 